0: that's why there's your problem spectrum
1: spectrum wireless never ever recommend it uh, awful to anybody listening um please (laughs) i know it's a monopoly so you have no choice if you're living in certain areas of the u.s you're basically boned but uh, i hate them uh, and i wish them all the very worst New Year. all right let's do it Uh, episode 196 i believe um, so welcome to the show, Adam. Great, happy New Year. Uh, how was your New Year's? How were you feeling after that game yesterday? Uh, that impact your night at all, or was it? Were you already over it by then?
0: <sighs> yeah, I mean, I was. I had obviously massive plans to, you know, go out in the town, go crazy, and I cancelled them all after the Arsenal game. Um, no, I tell you what happened. Uh, I lost power twice yesterday. Um, Once right at the end of the game, rather fortunately. So you you were nice enough to um, tell me via WhatsApp that Matoma's goal was was clawed back because of a wonderful refereeing decision. Um, And then I didn't have power for another two hours during the evening. And, uh, yeah, wonderful New Year's.
2: (laughs) I think staying in is the new going out, right I think I was back by ten and uh that was that was pretty much it uh it didn't impact me too much. I was kind of over it by by the evening but we'll go we'll dig into that
1: yeah I felt like a very boring burden not going out um and then when I took the dogs out at like nine thirty ish before like to try and like, get them out before the fireworks started going off and everything mm. um they uh every single house had lights on and people in it. So clearly staying in definitely is the new, go- new going out uh, <laughs> because it seemed like nobody on my street had any interest in going anywhere yesterday. Um, so people in the chat, if you're listening, uh, let us know what you did for New Year's. If you did something, anything remotely more fun, then I think Craig wins the day on it going out for dinner. Um, yeah, yeah, I, um, think, I think I stepped outside.
0: Yeah, it's a bit much, <laughs> a bit much if you ask me. Oh, the, the, the best thing you do is you just, you, you, you know, get your friends over to your house or whatever. That's the peak New Year's mm-hmm. because going out is is an absolute joke. And the people, I know this has been said over and over again, the people that stand in New York City in like diapers uh, wedged into a raining, cold pouring Times Square might be the most like troubled people people on the planet (laughs) because i don't know what has happened in your life that would draw you to that location at that time but it's nothing good
1: (laughs) well it's not it's not good is it like when you look at the others around the world like if you're going to sydney right and you've got like the opera house and like all the fireworks or like the london one last night i don't know if you saw any of that like i saw clips of the firework display and stuff like insane like the amount of preparation that must go into that is just madness like Went on for, like, 15 minutes. They had, like, drones, like, doing, like, tributes to the Queen and stuff. Like, madness. Absolute madness. I could understand why someone would want to go and watch something like that in the first, like, for a year. What I don't understand is New York, it's just a bunch of wet confetti. That's it. <laughs> and a ball that you maybe won't even see. They don't even have fireworks. Like, you could do all sorts with the Empire State, the new Twin Tower, whatever it is, the Trade Tower. You could do all sorts of mad shit. No, just, just a bunch of just a wet wet Ryan
0: Seacrest yeah it's, it's, it's pointless we've all like had at least one disappointing ball drop in our teenage years so going to see another one seems rather pointless
1: <laughs> yeah uh, Mikey I think going to the Amex does count as doing something uh, In at this point in time with all of us here I think that probably is, is the most audacious thing that anybody did um, <laughs> alright Let's get straight into uh, the Arsenal game, shall we? Uh, We went into yesterday much depleted. Um, We knew this. We talked about this prior on the episode just a couple of days ago. Uh, We knew this was going to be a tough one. Uh, Arsenal have only lost three games all season, Uh, only once in the league. Uh, That was to Manchester United, oddly enough. Uh, And then, of course, to us in the Carabao Cup uh, and to PSV in Europe. So this is an Arsenal team that are not just a phase. They're, They're very, very, very good. Um, and we were coming into it without Alexis McAllister, without uh, Moises Caicedo on his fifth uh, fifth yellow card ban. We were without uh, Danny Welbeck, obviously injured. Adam Webster, obviously injured as well. Um, and we lined up, as you would expect, incredibly lightweight in the midfield. Luckily, Adam Lallana was not as hurt as he first thought, so he did start. Uh, but we, we we rolled out there with Gilmore and Gross in the middle. Uh, Lamptey came in for Veltman. Not sure if it was rest or a tactical maneuver to have him go up against uh, Martinelli, given that Martinelli is one of the fastest players in the Prem. Um, and within about two minutes, uh, Lampy showed a bit of rust. Um, but what did, what did we make uh, of that that eleven? I mean, it feels almost really the best the best they can do, right? But what were you? What were your thoughts there? Were you concerned? Were you looking forward to seeing what some of these players could do, especially someone like Gilmore Lamptey in the lineup? What What were you feeling?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it was the best eleven that we could probably put out, and um, given the amount of sort of omissions that we, we have at the moment, so uh, yeah, I was I was mildly excited to see if Gilmore would step up, and um, I know he's had a few sub appearances and, and bits and pieces, so uh, it was nice just to get a full look at him. Um, yeah, I think the only surprise to me was Veltman out for Lampy. Um, obviously, that that may have been a tactical sort of noose as you alluded to so um <clears throat> but yeah that was the only sort of surprise other than that it's about as full strength as you can get it um i mean, adam you you put something up whilst the game was going on about sort of the, <laughs> the age range of our substitutes that that tells you everything you need to know i think
0: yeah the subs bench was fairly bleak uh well in the sense that it was it, there's promising exciting players on the subs bench but when you are three nil down and and obviously this didn't necessarily come true, but you didn't look at the bench and go, God, we've got a couple of potential real game winners here. you just, you had a roll of the dice with the younger players. Um, the, the, the Lamptey one was the real eyebrow raiser because we just come off talking about how impressive Feltman continues to be. And you're right. I mean, I think you have to look at, you have to look at the players that we were forced to put out. And you look at Lalana Gross, Gilmore, like the collection of players we had on that pitch lacked some, uh, one thing: pace. Uh, against a, an Arsenal team that has one thing in in droves, which is pace, and I really think that Lampy that Lampy selection was was purely just to be like, we need to not be a completely sluggish unit. Um, but obviously, you know, when you turn around and see a couple of things that Lamptey did, uh, there was some. Big errors there, even with his pace. Having said that, I know we'll get on to player performances, but there were a few times where Lampty really did impress. I thought his positioning and doggedness was really, really good. He got forward and was the main guy behind our first chance creation. Uh, but you, you did miss Veltman's, uh, you know, wise head a couple of times.
1: Yeah, I think, obviously, this is a really like obvious statement to me. But I think with McAllister and Caicedo in there, right, it's obviously a very different game. With And I think Lamptey would have been a really inspired choice at that point. I think you'd have had a lot more cover for him. I think he was at times left alone against Martinelli far too often, Yeah, um, which is a surprise to me given that Solly was in front of him and he is so good defensively. I was surprised to see him isolated so often. Um, and that, I mean, it first came within, what, two minutes? One minute, 50 seconds or something like that. Uh, basically about 18 different defensive mishaps and Saka was... In the middle of just open to, to slot the ball into the back of the net, uh, and we're we're one 0 Arsenal. Um, probably the worst possible start you could ask for. Uh, and from then on, um, it you know we it was one of those games where we had all of the ball, uh, but on the counter attack, Arsenal looked absolutely lethal, didn't they? They looked a bit uh, a bit like that Liverpool season with the Sturridge Sterling Suarez front three where every single time they would hit someone on the counter attack, they basically scored. Uh, and because I saw an infographic just the other day of Haaland's 20 goals and the the record he broke was Suarez with 19 in that season when they went absolutely mental. Um, I didn't realize he scored that many that quick, but it, it's get, it gives that feel about it, doesn't it, when they come forward that it's just okay, <laughs> 50-50 chance here, whether we were going to concede or not. Yeah. I don't know.
2: We seem to be super exposed at the back. And I think from, from that first goal, I think they they showed a nice graphic for those that watch it in the U S um, just around four or five different midfielders just bombing it up the pitch, because that's pretty much what we try and do is we try and break very quickly. Um, Lamptey loses the ball and all of a sudden we're we're playing three on three, um, which is a, a very strange position to be in. And, uh, but it's again and i think it's worth it's worth noting just another slow start as well it, it it's sort of become a little bit of a a constant that we we don't tend to start games very quickly um in fact quite the opposite so um yeah a mistake a bit of a bit of ring rust that i mean that, that it is what it is but you you can't do that against a team like arsenal who as you say have lost you know one league game in 16 right now on a, a cruising so yeah, unfortunate, and and then it's all uphill from there, isn't it? So uh, a, a shame, but you know, uh, well, that that whole first half, I think we we can put um, in in a, a bad a bad spot. So yeah,
0: I, I don't, I honestly don't know how, what to think about this whole game. By the way, because there's, I know it'd be easy to, and I think Mikey summed it up really well, and um, talking about we all kind of said would be wouldn't be that disappointed losing against Arsenal. And now it feels like I was fairly disappointed because of the manner of the defeat and the way it went down. Um, But I don't even think, I know we felt looked sluggish and when you can see two goals followed by a third straight off the second half, that that goes down as a disaster class situation. But I I really don't think we were that bad. And we just have to put out the reminder, as you kind of said, this is a pretty stunning Arsenal side which is a rare thing to say nowadays, but the reality is they are. And that performance from Odegaard was some of the things he did, some of the touches, that little drag back through ball in the box that he did as well, where they nearly scored was just like unbelievable. He was pretty much the mastermind behind the first goal in a roundabout way when he created the chance when and then Lamptey came out and gave the ball away. Uh, he nearly created a second. He scored the second. Uh, he was he was incredible. So I think it would have been a tough task. Even if we had Mack and Caicedo in there, would it have changed the result potentially? But you can't feel too bad about it. I think the the weird thing for me, just overall, when you look at the actual stats behind it too, is you know if you look at sixty eight percent possession, eighty five percent pass accuracy that we had compared to seventy three percent for Arsenal, higher percentage of shots on target. We had 24 crosses to their six, and the difference comes down to always we're just not we're just not clinical enough, um, and that's the difference. Arsenal are extremely clinical when they had one on ones, when they had chance creations, it was bang bang goals is in the net, and for us it's not quite like that. Apart from the odd flash from from our friend Matoma,
1: yeah, uh, we'll talk about clinical strikers uh towards the end of this show I'm sure um with a certain 18 year old coming off the bench to score his mm. first goal for the Albion um because cool calm and collected he did look uh and yeah that first half uh I felt kind of unsurprised uh not bothered um and, and like you said with Mikey in the chat at at halftime I, I said you know I, I don't think we've been this soundly beaten all season like I feel like it's been very comfortable for Arsenal like we've we've had a lot of the ball but they've They've looked far more dangerous. Like you said, Odegaard, just unbelievably good. Uh, I think he's obviously approaching world-class level at this point. I remember when he was like a football manager, like dream wonder kid back in the day. And and then he went to Real Madrid and did nothing. And it looked like he was a total bust in it. And now it looks like that those football manager scouts are earning their wages because he's just absolutely... Tearing it up, isn't he? Um, I thought he was just outrageous yesterday. Uh, for the fantasy prem players amongst us as well, he's a heck of a differential as well. He's much cheaper than Saka and Martinelli, if you want to get him in. I did because I, I, I watched a game with him just before the World Cup and he looked nuts. Um, and I think he's a really good option if you wanted to, to get on that. Uh, at halftime, um, it looked like uh, he was warming up the substitutions uh, to Zerbe. Um, but nothing was done. Uh, you could see Sarmiento was warming up already. Uh, he'd already got his kind of, looked like he was ready to come on. Um, I'm not sure if we were planning to make an early substitution, but I think Eddie and Ketia put pay to that uh, with, <laughs> with almost an immediate goal of the restart. Uh, those substitutions did come uh, with Ferguson and Sarmiento on the hour mark, uh, but I think they may well have even come a little bit earlier than that prior to the goal. Don't you think? It looked like Deserbi looked very keen to make changes early
2: yeah i i think based off the the first half performance and just how sort of soundly beaten we were I, I was expecting something to change pretty pretty soon um yeah i mean he did wait another 10 minutes after the third goal um, just to see if anything would change and um yeah just bringing bringing a, bring a good, ferguson on on the hour mark and um, we, yeah we can talk about strikers but um bringing in an 18 year old to change on <laughs> to change the game or at least try and salvage something from the game is uh that's that's depletedness isn't it um but yeah I, I was expecting more changes i was i was expecting something else um that third goal sort of just buried it for everyone i think um and then it was just a case of okay how can we get something, anything from this game? We're not, we're not probably going to get any points, but can we, can we try and give ourselves something to chew on? Um, fortunately we did. And I think that's where, that's where the, the borderline disappointment comes from is that actually based on the second half performance, we were very good. We were a lot better. Um, so yeah, I think you're, you're three nil down and uh, you bring on, uh, Ferguson for Trossard who did nothing. Um, I think genuinely nothing. Um, you know, it, again, testament to the options that the Zerbi has. And obviously with the transfer window opening today, um, that definitely should be somewhere we we're looking.
0: Yeah, Trossard. I've, I've seen some stuff about him recently, just in terms of, I mean, Belgium were just horrid at the World Cup, weren't they? But he's not, he's, he was incredible for us earlier in the season. He's not been very good recently, is he? Mine seems to be elsewhere um it's weird though because there's also i don't know um there was a a tweet out earlier from one of the uh one of those groups that has all the data who was it it was squawker and in europe's top five leagues this year possession one in the final third the third out of that group of players in the whole of the top five leagues is leando trossard he's won the one position 38 times in the final third this year I say this year, twenty twenty two, only De Bruyne and Joshua Kimmich ahead of him, and behind him is Martin Odegaard. So, yeah, <laughs> we know what he's like. But yeah, this was one of those ones where like just put anyone on in place of him. He's not. It doesn't seem like he's actually doing anything. The, the interesting thing after that conceding that goal, I was just getting back in front of the TV, and then the inketia scores. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Um, <laughs> there's no place where you think being down 3-0 at home at 47 minutes where there's going to be any point, frankly, in even watching this play out. The fact that we made this a game and we should have been 4-3 and in with a shout of, of having some stoppage time chaos at the end of this game to, to get a point is testament to the way in which this deservedly team works because... Against this Arsenal team, i tell you what would have happened if we had Potter as manager. We'd have lost 1-0. <laughs> and that would have been that. Well, that's just, and we'd have had one shot on target. Uh, we wouldn't have been embarrassed. It would have been fine. And the difference here, I know it's just a, it's a different flavour. But the fact is, Deserbi can get these guys to rally when we go down. And we said that numerous times. If we concede, when it was Potter and you conceded, you thought, game's done. Not like that with Deserby. And that is a positive you can take out of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, another player that felt almost anonymous at times, Pascal Gross, uh, connects with Mitoma for that first goal. Um, what a pass from him. What a touch from Mitoma and how comfortable did he look in that away? Uh, I know it took a nice little deflection, but nonetheless, uh, that was a heck of a finish. Um, I thought that t- t- yesterday, not today, yesterday was a really good argument for... A lot of people that have been saying the same thing, uh, and I feel like we've been mentioning it once or twice uh, when Trossard isn't on his game. I, I think it's we need to end this false nine experiment for Leo. Like, let's get him out of that guy as the guy up top. Like, let's push him one back into the Lallana position. We know he's technically excellent. He's winning the ball high up at the pitch, so he can continue to do the pressing stuff. And let's actually have a real striker up there. Him to feed to along with Mitoima. Uh, with, you know, if you want to look at Deserby's older teams, uh, you know, Berardi sits in that spot perfectly, doesn't he? Like the Berardi Trossard comparisons in just about every way uh, are there. Uh, whether he's here by the end of January and any of this matters, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, he's he's one of those players that should excel in Deserby's formation uh, when he's in one of those three spots behind a striker but we're kind of forced currently to play him up top uh, and you can see his limitations up there. I think it's hard
0: to tell you how much I'm biting my tongue, not to say a certain journalist's name, but yeah, it's <laughs> Let's uh, not. Let's uh, I'm, not, not, I'm not doing it. I'm not going <laughs> to do it. Uh, yeah. It's there's no, unless you start 18 year old Evan Ferguson against the league leaders and probable champions of the premier league, you don't have anyone else that plays that. It's just, it's just a weird, it's, it's a tough situation. Um, so I think if you, I'd I'd play Trossard there, I, and even even if he's not good and he and he continues to do what he's doing and 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 f- fall off in games or just not show up,
2: there's no other option for now. It's yeah, I I think we we all know that. Well, I anyway, I say we all know, but I think we we see Trossard's value in being in that number ten or in in that sort of winger role, and he's he's not. He's not our striker in the way that we play. Um, so once we do have more options up front, and um, when Welbeck is back, for example, um, or you know, I know Undav was out for personal reasons. It turns out so again wasn't available to play. So personal um, reasons, as in the club personally doesn't think he's any good. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Know. I hope he's all right. I do mean that in the kindest way possible. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we've we've seen over the i guess as soon as we got back and even before the world cup that he's kind of out of favor anyway um but those those sort of limitations you have to you have to take that into account when you are playing the league leaders at home um and and sort of say well actually that second half performance on loan does give you a lot of positives. And I, I think that's sort of where we're going. And with Matoma being as, we say clinical, like he is clinical and um, being as, as good as he is and as composed as he is, um, gets us our way back into the game. At, at 3-1, Within, which is, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Within 10 minutes, uh, we had two more goals. Uh, immediately at the other end, Arsenal bags to seemingly put the game to bed. Uh, And then Saliba uh, was just manhandled by 18-year-old Evan Ferguson, albeit Evan Ferguson is massive. He looked massive when he was, like, 14, but he looks massiver now. Uh, So he just kind of pushed Saliba out of the way, uh, and Saliba just collapsed. Um, And what a tidy finish that was from Ferguson to put it to 4-2, wasn't it? Just slotted it between the keeper's legs and nonchalantly wandered off. Like, unbelievable finish, I thought. Um, And... He's starting to show signs, isn't he, that he's he's at minimum a natural finisher uh, that we've been seeing in the other 23s for ages. Um, The question now is, do you loan him out and give him six months at a championship team to really get blooded now? Or do you use the Aaron Connolly route with a player that is much more down to earth than Aaron is? Uh, by all accounts, because Conley was already a massive prick within the under-23s and <laughs> what I can gather. Um, Evan has been nothing but the consummate professional from the day he signed with us as a kid. Um, do, do, you, do you choose to give him the fast-track route and get rid of Undav and bring somebody else in? Uh, we've also got the, the young lad from Argentina coming over uh, in January, the young 18-year-old, uh, who also is a central attacking midfielder that can play just about anywhere in that three behind the striker. Um, you know, I assume he's probably going to want to go out on loan and is sitting on the bench, Enters on the bench. We have a lot of options uh, in that three behind the striker. Um, but what do we do? Uh, Mikey said keep him at the club and ban him from Shush. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's definitely an option. Um, but that finish was superb. Uh, he looks better every time he comes on. Uh, albeit it is obviously limited timing that we see him. Um, so the goal went in. Uh, we'll talk about that last 13 minutes because a lot went on uh, after this. But what's what's the Evan Ferguson verdict with with you two? Do, do you want to keep him, loan him out? Uh, obviously, I think we need to sign another striker anyway, despite what anybody else thinks. That are journalists that we don't talk about. But do we? What do, what do you think that we? What's the Evans Ferguson conundrum? shouting out to you
0: i need a, one of those swear jars for Naylor. and if it say his name i'm gonna to have to put a dollar in or something like that yeah
1: i'll be albion in the community the yeah the exactly yeah uh we'd, we'd fund a whole kids team <laughs> yeah we
0: could get some uh well we can sign some uh, argentinian youth players with all the with all the funds um so what well, i want to i'm going to answer the thing about uh ferguson but the just quickly recap on some on the goals because yeah that the first the matoma guy i say first matoma goal, the only matoma goal oh, amazing finish uh, the ball was good and then he just perfectly just calmly places it in that right corner because this was i think that uh, the one that was viled back was a slight deflection that one was clean it was a really 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 nice finish not to wax lyrical more about martin odegaard but um you know if anyone's trying to draw fault with the Brighton players for that fourth Arsenal goal. Go and watch the replay of that ball that Odegaard plays. Uh, Just unreal. He just, first time, just smacks this wonderful curling pass. Lanty's got no... Lanty's not positioned poorly. And he just... The pass is so, so good. Um, Really, really, really impressive. Uh, and, And then Ferguson, yeah. So the... The, the the ball into Ferguson as well. It was Dunk played this really nice ball over. Saliba makes an absolute hash of it. It could have just gone out for a, a goal kick and he completely screws with it. But Ferguson's strength, but not only the strength, but if, if you watch it again, he does a little ball roll because the ball's behind him once he gets through and beats Saliba. And while he's sprinting, he ball rolls it to get it in the right place to slot home. I mean, you don't we haven't had many number nines at Brighton in recent memory that have the composure to do that especially ones that are 18 years old so if you can do that on a consistent basis guys uh, I'm excited but to actually answer your question after 20 minutes of me waffling about other goals I, I'm I want him out on loan because I want I want a more clinical player to come in that you can be more confident to bring on and start games and Ferguson looks promising but I we've read this book before We'll, we'll plug him in. We'll start him against some games. He doesn't perform. And then we just we throw him aside for a bit. And that's not the way you want to get these youngsters involved, in my opinion. Let's get someone else in. We need someone else. Get Undav out on loan. Get Focusing out on
2: loan. And then next next year, let's see. I think that's and that's where it lies with me is that what other options do we have? I mean, I think in a in an idealistic world, I think yeah, you loan him out and he gets that experience and plays week in week out as a starter. You know that that sort of experience is invaluable to someone that's eighteen years old. Um, but when you look at the, the face value of it, if if Undav is not preferred, if back is a bit of a sick note, um. You're looking at two people coming in to be comfortable up front before you let Ferguson go out on loan. Um, so that that's where that's where I'm in two minds. Is that you know if we had enough players up front and we were good in that area, of course he goes out on loan. Absolutely, uh, but at the moment you, you've got him. I think when we're talking about Trossard, like he's not a striker out and out. So when you're talking about looking at the bench as well, is that Ferguson there is our only out and out striker in the entire squad for that day. Uh, and and that's the issue is, you know, I don't think we have too many options up there at the moment to even consider him going out on loan. So um, we'll see what we do. Um, I guess in this window, I guess now it's open, uh, but we need to have other options before we let him go. Um, because I think, like you said, that he is composed. He can do it. I just don't think he'll get a regular run of games for us without that pressure and without, you know, that sort of criticism or critique. Uh, and that's not going to help him as, as someone as young as he is.
1: I think that's the obvious answer, isn't it? That we're dancing around. You spend a bunch of money on a proper striker in January. Uh, and this answer solves itself, doesn't it? Uh, you can send out ferguson on loan you have welbeck as your backup uh which when if he is a sick note playing what we got 20 is it 22 games left now something like that 20 games left uh having him play five of those uh is a lot better than having to play uh 20 of them uh that sick note kind of goes away then doesn't it so you've you've solved the welbeck problem you brought in your striker that for now uh you can do whatever you want with undav you can sell him for all we care, right? Like, it's not going to be used. And if Welbeck and A.N., other new striker, goes down, you do still then have your Trossards and your Encizos and just in case, right? I think that's the obvious answer, is you you spent a shit ton of money on a proper striker um, that we've been calling out for for the last, God knows that, since Glen Murray retired. Uh, and let's not mess around with a six million pound punt in Belgium let's go for the ones that we've been looking at and failing to get right go for your Darwin Nunez going for your players like that we're obviously finding them uh we've been gazumped by Chelsea obviously for this young lad from Mulder I think that would have been a really good signing uh but you know hopefully it crashes and burns at the, them now but we don't like it's I think it's the obvious answer is you spend a shit ton of money on your striker this January that's that's your choice right like when you look at this team to talking like a for like the american audience like you like we are we have everything but your franchise quarterback like that's it we're missing the guy to carry the team and like there are lots of teams in the lower half of this division that have that guy uh, your is well, they're not even in the lower half, they're balling, uh, but you've got your Mitroviches, you've got your Ivan Tonys for now, uh, you've, you know, you've got your big boy players that can carry the team and score a shit ton of goals. And we, that's, you know, we've been talking about it for ages, but like, that's what we're missing. Um, and I think if you bring one in, you, you can loan out Ferguson and you can probably loan him out ag- again next year and really like nurture his development and then bring him in two years from now when we inevitably sell that new striker for a crap ton of money, and he just plugs in at 20 years old and starts banging in goals.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, God, and I feel like, how many how many times have we had this conversation? But it's one that we we, we continually have to have until something's done about it. And uh, we kind of maybe bigged us off up a little bit around the, the, the idea of Dennis and Dev uh before that happened and the hope behind it and again still remains to be seen what happens there but you know the current forecast is absolutely heinous uh the biggest disappointment for me and i know we will need to wrap up and finish up with the game and player ratings and all that kind of stuff but the biggest disappointment for me would be making no moves this january and, and doing that same thing doing that classic like we don't so we don't want to sign anyone in january especially even if you keep a hold of everyone but especially with this idea that there are constant rumors abound and we're only jam one about many of our players leaving uh you you have to, we have to get that depth even with World back back even with Webster back you still look at the squad and you go uh, a couple of injuries here or that there. there's always there's always gonna be some injuries later on into the season so the fact that it's Webster and, and well back right now, it's going to be Lalana a bit later. It's going to be Lamptey. It's going to be someone... It will be another couple of players and we need to have depth. Right now, we're playing... Uh, how old's uh, Levi Colwell? Uh, he's, a, he's our starting centre-back who we're basically just coaching up for Chelsea. And he's incredibly young. Like, we don't... There's not a ton of depth here at all. We've said that time and time again. We have to sign someone. Even... If it's just about the hope, they might not work out. But let's do something because we know this isn't necessarily sustainable. But I, I'm I've got a fear that the tactic here with with the, with the um the execs of the club is let's just in some ways limp our way to the summer um, and then see what we can do. Keep as many of these players as we can unless we get an outrageous bid, and
1: then we'll we'll make our plans going to the summer.
0: Um we'll see
1: just quickly sal in the chat says unpopular opinion but i want a defender signed uh i think we all said this right before the world cup that a center back is probably towards the top of deserve list looking at his past clubs and the first signings he's made uh i i don't think it's as unpopular as you think sal uh i think no. it's actually quite a popular opinion that people simply just aren't talking about um I think that the money is pretty good to, to expect a centre-back to be one of his first proper signings. Um, question for you, though, Sal, would Levi Colwell on a permanent fit that for you? Would you be happy with that? I'd be interested to hear your opinion on whether you think Colwell as a permanent this January would would please you, as long as the price is reasonable, of course. Uh, and while you're considering that, we can touch on the, the final 13 minutes of this game. Um, so we... Sarmiento, let's talk about four different incidences, and you can go through them in whichever order you want. Sarmiento goes down, uh, dived, uh, just outside the box, booked. Sarmiento just absolutely brutalized inside the box, no penalty given nor checked. Uh, Mitoma tripped inside the box, no VAR check. Mitoma judged offside uh, for a trailing leg when running backwards uh, prior to the goal being scored, uh, chalking off that that third goal. Thoughts, feelings on these? Uh, oh, the fifth option, uh, Saka with an incredibly cynical trip. Uh, I don't think his first tackle was a booking anyway. But I think the second one every day of the week is a straight yellow for sure because it was so cynical and just so obviously a trip to break up play. Uh, what do you... That, just talk about them all between yourselves. How are you feeling about it? Uh, because there is arguments to be had here that we could have finished this game 4-4 and the greatest game ever to finish a year. like, And it feels like certain refereeing decisions... Did not go as as you would hope them to go. Um, yeah,
0: yeah I, I'm I'm Craig. I'm I'm different to you. I've talked about the refereeing stuff so much now. I feel like Mourinho, where it's like the <laughs> you know, If I speak, I'm in trouble. Uh, it's it's consistently a sack of shit.
2: So I'll hand over to you. Yeah, I th- I think that's that's exactly where we're going with this. Anyway, is just the consistently inconsistent referees in this league. Uh supposedly the best league in the world. Um, but with some of the worst refereeing we've seen in a very long time. Uh yeah, I think the second one, obviously that was the last one because I have my memory like a sieve. So I'll just do that one first and I'll try and work my way back. Um but the second one, if he if he wasn't on a yellow card already, that was a it's a clear yellow. I think it just because it was that second yellow, that's why it wasn't given. I think it's the wrong choice. But whatever um Sarmiento dive yeah rightly booked don't want to see it um but obviously with a, a massive shirt pull in the box as well um that should have at least been checked in, in given how important that was to the game and, and what could have been um i would expect at least a, a check to be happening there um even if they rule it that it wasn't enough of a pull or, or whatever but you know i can deal with that if it was checked um matoma yeah i mean he was I think he, he was our player for the day anyway, but in just having a bit of a rough day and, and being manhandled as well. So uh, yeah, I felt I felt bad for him. But there's ultimately we, we can pick and choose these sort of bits and pieces, but it all boils down to just uh, lackadaisical refereeing and that's it, just not good enough. Um, so yeah, we we sound like a broken record, but it's because it's the truth is that Consistently, these referees are not good enough.
0: And this, I, I'm sure this was intentional, just but culminates in the wonderful VAR intervention where they did decide that they'd utilise it um, for the third goal and, and Matoma's second. Um, what do you what do you think about this? Because I I, I put a tweet out that was an image you sent me of the VAR lines and the amount of varied responses you've got. Because somehow, of course, the Arsenal fans got nothing better to bloody do than look at the Brighton hashtag on Twitter and decide to give their opinion on an offside ruling. Go and do something. It's New Year's Eve. They're all commenting on a Brighton hashtag. What's wrong with you? But people seem to be split around what the purpose of both the offside process is, the VAR decision, should have been a goal, shouldn't have been a goal, was it ruining football? But what, what's your thinking behind it?
1: I think uh, that my question that I asked to you all, what feels like last, I was going to say last year, technically it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the question I asked you to pre-World Cup break uh, in that last podcast, and the question was, what the linesmen do these days? What is their purpose in a football match? Um, because they do not give offside decisions anymore unless they're, like, frivolous ones on the halfway line. Like, once it gets into the final third of either side, there is no flag up anymore. It just is deferred to VAR. They don't even dare raise a flag. They don't communicate with the referee as and when balls go out for corners or goal kicks, uh, because we saw that several times yesterday. Uh, We saw it twice uh, where the ball went out for a corner. Um, and even the commentary picked up on it where there was players miles offside that resulted in the corner, and it's like, well, if the goal would have gone in, they've scored from an opportunity that was created by offside players, uh, and the linesman is right there to watch it and doesn't care. Um, I think the sooner that we get this automated lino system in, that they're, they're talking about that kind of half-automated linesman system that they're, they're already trialing and erroring, uh, the better. They've become a totally defunct pair of officials at this point um they're just a waste of time and body and energy uh, they don't do anything they don't contribute to the game they don't they take away from it um and i think for me like that's the biggest source of frustration watching these games week in week out is there are legit, legitimately double digit incidences over the course of a 90 minute game where just silly mistakes are made, like or just things are ignored that shouldn't be ignored and shouldn't be made, like accidents shouldn't happen uh, when you have two people paid to do that job uh, on either side of the pitch. Um, And I think people really want to rag on VAR and the refs, and they should, because the fact that VAR is ran by the refs is a totally corrupt and broken system as is. Like, I know I've compared it a couple of times and I know it's like totally different because people like legitimately die from the other one. But like it's cops judging cops like you can't trust the police when they investigate the police and find no wrongdoing. You can't trust the referees on a much more frivolous level. Right. Because It's just sport. But like you can't trust the refs when their buddies who are also refs are in the business of protecting them if we are not going to change the VAR rules and get better officials in that one, the next thing is we need to look at what on earth linesmen are doing, because it's just a waste of time and it's contributing to more and more stupid mistakes.
2: Yep. I completely agree with everything. I think there's not really too much more to go there. And, It's just, yeah, there's a lack of accountability, isn't there, really? Um, And the linesmen are scared to make decisions as well um, because they know they're going to be sort of scrutinised or whatever it is going to be. Um, It's it's the ones where it's so clear that it's offside, but they let it run anyway. And it's just such a clear-cut one. And I, I think those are the ones that, annoy me the most is someone being two or three yards offside you let the passage play for like 20 seconds they miss the chance and then the flag goes up it's like why why did you let that continue on you know players could get injured like something else could happen or whatever it's just it seems like a waste of time to me I think it does and I think to to your point where it does need a rehaul and it needs to be rethought entirely even with a semi-automated system or a complete overhaul of the entire damn thing um but something needs to do and something needs to be done um it's just it's just frankly ridiculous at this point anyway
0: yeah i i don't i don't have a problem with var uh using technology to um improve the accuracy of decisions where there are big outcomes millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds dollars whatever you want to call them that result from gambling or the success and winning of these games, it's important to be as accurate as possible. I, I agree with everything you've both said, though, Like in terms of how the fact is there's a human judging it. It's not just all computer judgment. And, and right now we've got a blend where we're picking up the worst of both sides in, in some instances. Um, the Lee Dixon on the commentary in the US raised a really good one earlier on in the game where Arsenal broke through. It was a very, very clear offside. The linesmen didn't raise their flag. Uh, and then they got a corner. What's like, no, it was offside, but you didn't put your flag up because you're told not to raise your flag because you need to see how it plays out. Then they got a corner. What's like, well, if they score from the corner, why are they, you can't do that. Like, you have to stop the game and bring it back and call the offside. Like, that That makes no sense to me. But I, I guess in the context of the Matoma goal, the, the thing that, that grates me is the actual rule itself of, of offside. And this is this is a tricky one to get into, but like just really broadly simple. What is the purpose of offside? It's to stop having an unfair advantage from attacking standpoint. Basically, so you don't have a bunch of people goal hanging. So you just have someone stand right at the back and someone punts the ball over, or whatever, or you break up so the defense have to sit on the goal line, someone just dribbles through and smashes the ball in the net. It's not designed in a situation where a player is running away from the goal, which is what happened. He's running backwards, and his studs are offside. And the funny part also is that Evan Ferguson's not even bloody passing to him. Evan Ferguson's trying to control the ball, and it's a bad touch. So the ball ends up, Matoma runs backwards after Evan Ferguson's miscontrol and gets the ball and runs in and scores a goal. Nobody watching the game was looking at that and going, oh, he's smart, the offside. But no one's looking at that calling offside because it wasn't an offside scenario where an advantage is being gained from an attacker. The attacker has a disadvantage. He's running backwards, going the other way from the goal. I just, so uh, long story short, VAR was right. VAR got the decision right. He He was technically offside, but he shouldn't be offside because it wasn't gaining an advantage that that's what frustrated me about it
1: yeah i think that's about as well as you can put it i saw someone on twitter i was like one arsenal fan was just like so you're telling me you just want to get rid of the offside rule and i'm like "No, like no <laughs> yeah mate that's what i was saying yeah it can be it can be the right call and still feel wrong in the spirit of the game like that's what we're talking about here like it's the right call absolutely like On paper, it's the right option. Like, that's it. It was the right call. In the spirit of how football is supposed to be played and the way that rule was implemented, it's not right. It's just wrong. Like, looking at it, it's just wrong. If we would have had that happen to us, we would be on here laughing about the absolute ridiculousness of that decision. And we'd just be like, how have we escaped that? Like, that's the stupidest thing. Like, we're lucky it's for us, but we'd then we'd probably start it going, "How lucky for us!" And then we'd go into the same conversation anyway, slagging off VAR and the refs because we'd have felt the same way anyway. We'd have just benefited from it instead.
0: A- apart from like brainless Arsenal fans, of which uh, maybe I'm not sure what percentage that includes but it might be high, but apart from brainless Arsenal fans, who's actually happy with what this decision was? Like no one's looking at that and being like, "You know what? Great officiating." Awesome job, you guys are experts at your craft. No one's happy about this. A, a good goal has been taken away. Um, Arsenal weren't even moaning about him being off. No one was. No one was upset about the play. So now we just had a decision done. This sort of sort of made on a technicality. But if anything, it doesn't show the correctness of the rule. It just highlights the flaws. And when you start to have rules that are created that move away from being pragmatic, and start to be these sort of silly look—I I know offside has always been like this—but now that we've got lines drawn on the, the screen, we see it in all its horrible non-glory. We see it for all its flaws, and it just something has to be done because, yeah, you know, imagine that's a, imagine that situation occurred in the World Cup final. We have that amazing game, and you have something like that, and it just destroys legacies that are created. Like you just can't have that.
1: Yeah, Mbappe's leg is offside on the way back. He
0: deserves it, but
1: yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, let's talk about players. Um, I'm going to start with you, Craig. Uh, Robert Sanchez, Uh, how are you feeling about Big Bob, Craig? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the game yesterday.
2: Yeah, you're going to team me up with this one, given what I put in the chat. (laughs) Yeah.
1: uh, yeah i mean go ahead
2: yeah i will some of the goals right we're, we're talking about defensive lapses um uh but he didn't cover himself in glory yesterday either um the the third goal for Nketiah, um he should be smothering that and and having that uh, for me anyway um he's competent at, and he can do it um so it just feels like a lapse for me um Number four with Martinelli running all the way through, I think he needs to be coming out quicker. Um, It's a sort of those one-on-ones or or that sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, But I just feel recently, um, you know, we were here a couple of days ago saying at least he saved the penalty, like, for the first time in what we feel like is is ever. But I just feel like that presence that he has and still does, I'm, I'm not saying that it's, you know, gone walkies or anything but it it just feels like it's not really there at the moment and his his shot stopping is is taken a bit of a hit um I don't know what it is and I he seems to me and again this is my own opinion he seems like a very confidence-based player um if he's lost some of that confidence he needs to find it um but when we were talking about it in in the group chat um there's no way he's getting dropped right so uh you know he can make these mistakes with the, I guess the benefit of knowing that actually he's probably not going to get dropped um, because he is so vital to the way that we play. Um, So for me, hasn't been at his best recently. Um, I don't know if he didn't play at all at the world cup, you know, there's, there might be some sort of game time that he needs to to get back up and running as well, but hasn't been at his best. I hope he does get better. And the, the issue for us is that he's not going to get dropped and that he doesn't have what I feel is a decent replacement or at least competition on the bench.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I-, I really don't want to point any fingers at him because I, I don't think really could he have changed the outcome of yesterday. Uh, yeah, like you say, you could argue that there could have done better on the third Uh, maybe on the fourth, but instead Martinelli could have just passed over to Saka and he would have scored instead. Um, There's also the fact that the way that this system works now is that he is left more isolated and vulnerable than he ever was in the Potter system. Uh, And we we can't forget the fact that, you know, how many times yesterday did you see that he had to stare down a one-on-one or someone just smashing the ball? And we obviously don't talk about all the ones where Zinchenko has a shot and he saves it or someone does something else and he's and he's got a palm on it. You're right. I think one of the things he does hopefully need to be coached out of is, is some of the ways in which when he does get a hand on the ball, that he doesn't just shove it into the face of an attacker, which he did with the penalty, which he did in a, a, another time yesterday as well. Um, for, for the deficiencies we have across in certain areas of the pitch, which they're not gigantic anywhere apart from up top and number nine, I guess you could argue that it could be improved. Would it be helped if we had someone better to back him up or someone that could push him for competition to be better? Maybe. I just, of all of the things that I worry about, he's not at the top of the list. That might change, but not right now.
1: Yeah. Um it's a tough one, isn't it? He is only 25 as well. And like you think there's still so much time until you consider him like an actual like first choice goalie, really. Like, there's a lot of goalies that don't even get like, I mean, look at Emmy Martinez. Um, he's a good example of popping in, like, coming in at 28, 29. Um, I hate Matthew. that he won the World Cup, by the way. He's such a scumbag, Martinez. He really, so
0: just. Ridiculous. He's. I mean, he, he annoyed the hell out of me when we played Villa earlier in the, with his time waste. He's just, he is just a villain, isn't he? He's a
1: villain. Um, anyway. But it was so nice seeing him shit house a team I really didn't like in France. It was, like, I was so conflicted in like the shit where he was committing to. Is the, it, I hate it, but he was doing it against a team I really didn't want to win. So it was like one of those yeah. things that just h- horrible. Like I feel like I lost either way.
0: Enemy um, of my enemy is my friend, and all that. Yeah, really.
1: yeah, that's how it felt. Uh, um A lot of people uh, in. Well, Twitter, Facebook, one of the WhatsApp group chats, I mean, uh, thought Lamptey had lost a step uh, and was well off it, <laughs> just in general. Um, we talked about the fact of, you know, has he, has he lost his pace? I think yesterday's game, unfortunately for him, proved that he absolutely hasn't. He just had to run himself into the ground yesterday trying to prove it. Uh, he was one step behind Martinelli when that ball was played by Odegaard, and he... Didn't lose a step at all after that against one of the fastest players in the league by far. Um, He went stride for stride with Martinelli. So the pace is not lacking. A couple of early errors, um, really not great early errors. Uh, But at the same time, and and Adam, you pointed this out, he actually went and had a quietly very good game. Uh, He had more combined tackles and interceptions than anybody else in the team uh he was defensively barring the errors he made which <laughs> weren't great uh he was actually very good yesterday um he was defensively you know one of our better players and and worked himself to the bone uh whether that was a case of not being supported as much as he could have uh by the by the players around him that's also a conversation to be had uh he won more fouls than well or kind of was the most the most foul winning player on the team as well uh, along with Duncan Lalada um, I thought he, you know, he had more block shots than anybody else as well. Uh, he really put in a shift yesterday, didn't he? And and he did have some mistakes, in him. he absolutely did. But I don't think he did too much to 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 not deserve a place going forward, which then puts it deserve be in a great position with Feltman also being superb, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, Lempty's uh, the uh, everyone. I think is goes back to the memory of that we had a little while back now with Lamptey where he came in and he just looked like he'd been shot out of a cannon. Uh, and he, it was like, Oh my God, what have we, have we stolen this guy from Chelsea? He looks like the best player in our team. And then the injury and so on and so forth. We all know the history. Um, I think that he's got some incredible strengths and we're seeing slightly less of them at the moment. Uh, but again, I thought we had some really impressive aspects yesterday, as you've just said. Um, the problem is his weaknesses can be costly against the, a side that's as clinical as as, as Arsenal, um, um, yeah, we saw that. I think he playing potentially or in training and being behind Veltman is going to help him with his biggest weakness, which is just around game knowledge and positioning, because he has all the physical attributes, bar strength, to actually position himself perfectly, catch up with anyone for the most part, and then bomb forward. Like if Veltman had Lamptey's body, he's playing for Real Madrid. You know, bar- barring injuries, so if he can learn from him from the mental side of the game, I think he's in a really good position. He's still he's still a youngster as well. Like let's 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 not forget that. But I I think just people getting upset with a couple of players yesterday just of, of how it all went down. I also thought I don't think Gilmore looked bad. Everyone saying oh, Gilmore looked crap, and all- I thought he looked all right. Ninety five percent pass accuracy in the team. Uh, dispossessed, got forward nicely a few times. It's his first start, people. What are we all going crazy about? It's his first start for Brighton in a very, very different system than what he was used to playing when he was playing or at Chelsea and then prior to that getting absolutely screwed over at Norwich. It's going to take a little bit of time. I'm I'm not worried about Billy Gilmore for now. I think once he gets more accustomed to everything, he's going to be in a decent place for this team. Um, And your broader reminder of the fact that this should have been 4-3 Arsenal a team that is top of the table has won their last 110 billion games with a plus 26 goal difference. They've scored and conceded 14. We we did all right. Like they beat everyone at the moment. That's that's okay.
2: Yeah, I agree with Lampy. I think for the for the fourth goal, regardless of who's playing right back, I don't think they're getting back to. To catch Martinelli enough to put him off in any way so um, I don't think you can begrudge that and I think he went like Josh said stride for stride he hasn't lost his pace and but like you said it's those mental attributes that he's obviously going to to learn again super young player like this t- this squad this whole squad is full of very young players Um they're learning they're getting over those sort of tropes and they're playing in a very good system in a very good side against what is the best side at the moment in the Premier League. So uh, can't really say too much other than that. And I agree with Billy Gilmore as well. It, it's going to take time for him to adjust and adapt. I thought he was perfectly fine yesterday. Um, his job is not to pull up trees and be a standout performer with flair, pace and energy. Uh, he was there to distribute the ball and, and be a backup for the centre-backs. So, you know, that that sort of double pivot role that that he wanted to play with gross, who also isn't (laughs) going to be part of that double pivot. If we, if we have our our strongest 11 Um, I thought we did absolutely fine yesterday. Uh, And that I think that was what we were talking about earlier with the positives, right? Is that that second half barring a silly VAR ruling? And you're at four, three with six minutes left to go. And that's a very good game. Um said it right at the top as well. I've, I guess I'll leave it on this is that this team does not know when it's beaten. And that is very different to what we're used to in the last couple of years. Um, and, and having the energy and the ability to change these games around is going to be very fun to watch.
0: And go watch the, if you go watch the highlights of the game if you haven't already and see what the Arsenal bench does after the, the Matoma's second goal because obviously no one thought it was offside. What watch them. They're all panic stricken. Arteta's out there pointing to his head, telling all his players to calm down. They were they were frazzled. Not not many sides have frazzled this Arsenal team this year.
1: Yes. Yeah. They yeah. really were. Yeah, you could see it. They were shit in their pants. Um, on the Gilmore piece, uh, he had the second best pass accuracy in the team, 95%. Only Cole will have 0.1% more. Uh he had more touches of the ball than any other player except for the centre backs. Um His accurate through ball was crazy. Uh, Eight long balls, six of them on target. Um, He slotted into that double pivot role really well. I thought he looked very comfortable there. Um, He put that, that midfield duo on his back at times because Pascal Gross is just not equipped to do it. Uh, I thought I thought he played really well uh, for the most part. He was just severely overrun by a much bigger, stronger, faster, multiple numbers all over him, Arsenal midfield. Um, I, I wouldn't feel at all bothered about him slotting into that spot uh, if we're going to continue to rest Alexis until, say, post-FA uh, Cup. I don't know what the plan is. Uh, if we're waiting for him to come back for Liverpool or whether we'll play him against Everson, I'm not sure what the McAllister choice is going to be. Um, yeah, It's hard to know. You know, Alvarez was on the bench yesterday for City. Obviously, he's not going to start anyway with Haaland up front. But, you know, some of these players are already coming back. Uh, some of them are not. So I don't know what they're going to want to do with him. Um, but, I, you know, I'm far less worried today than I was two days ago about the idea of a Gilmore Caicedo duo in the middle of the park. In fact, that's what I would like to see if Alexis is out. I would not like to see the gross experiment continue in that spot.
0: Side note, how how have Man City gone from not having a striker for about three years to now having Haaland backed up by World Cup winner Alvarez, who looked incredible? Like, what? an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, I I think of... McAllister played a bit further forward for Argentina, right? Especially in certain games where where he was pushed a decent chunk far up while the Paul and, and um, potential Chelsea recruit Enzo Fernandez sat back a little bit more. Um, so I could see a scenario where you play Caicedo, Gilmore and um, Alexis further up the pitch uh, and suddenly you've got a lot of younger legs to, to face up against a, a team like an Arsenal where you need a bit more pace as opposed to your Lallana and Gross playing in those roles where it's like you, you get a different... You get a different good coming from them, but maybe not, not one that can keep up with the uh, the stamina and the pace of a, a side like Arsenal. I th- when, it, when it comes down to transfers and depth, we've said this before, but centre of the park, right, uh, central defensive midfielder up to attacking, we're, we're in a fine spot. Uh, you've got the youngsters like NC7, Sarmiento who can come in and, and play behind the attacker. We've got a decent amount of depth there, barring significant injury. It's in the other spots that we're slightly lacking.
1: We are, uh, we're obviously needing a man of the match. Um, four to defeat at home is never great, but it was against top top team in the league. So I will, uh, I'll go first. Uh, Mitoma for me um, just looks so good, dangerous all the time. I thought he. Thought he carried the team on its back at times. Uh, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, uh, I thought that Mitoma for me is was my man in the match. Uh, would be interested to hear if this is a clean sweep or if uh, or if we have some different options on the bench here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I put the shirt up behind me. I'm glad I I went with with the Mitoma name and number on it. Uh, yeah, he was. My only worry is the fact that we're just adding more and more names to the list of players that clubs are going to start to come in and be like, tell you what, he could do a job for us. Uh, And that's what worries me because he just keeps impressing. uh, And it's it's only a matter of time uh, before someone (laughs) starts to take a serious look at him. But it's Matoma with an honourable mention to a a certain 18-year-old getting his first Premier League goal, being the youngest ever Brighton. Premier League goal scorer.
2: Yeah, it's a clean sweep. I think anything dangerous came from Matoma. Um he just, he's so exciting as well. Like he's he's fun to watch but also he's just he brings so much to the team and he's so dangerous. Um so it, it is a clean sweep, I think. Yeah. Honorable mentions. I think lampty deserves an honorable mention. I think he was good. There's a bit of rust in the first couple of minutes, but otherwise I thought he did a really good job. Um and obviously Evan Ferguson as well. First of first of many, I'm sure.
1: Yep. Uh, I think that just about covers everything. Um, We'll be looking into, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about transfer-wise when it comes to post-Everton and and Liverpool especially. Um, One last thing as well, uh, if you're not following me on social media and don't know, uh, I am moving back to England um, this month. Uh, So we're not hanging around, people. Uh, this one has been like long in the in the in the making because the visa system is shit. Um, but I am I am moving back uh, middle of January, uh, so hopefully coming to an Amex slash away game near you uh, in the future. Uh, would love to meet up with some of the listeners. Uh, I'll even bring like a little baby microphone along. You can have your little say on how the games are going. Oh, and we what we're stepping up! Uh, I think that would be a huge boost get people like just upload some clips from people on the day at the stadiums uh, as and when i can make them um so that's going to be a really cool additional bit of extra format to the show i think uh obviously we'll be working on a shit ton of time differences so we may be not as consistent with the monday morning uploads uh but uh, we just ask you for a bit of patience um and uh the benefits will far outweigh the cons i think with uh, with the move we still have plenty of stateside base eagles uh, we'll just have one on the ground now as well so uh, that's a pretty pretty cool development i hope
0: shame you're not gonna be able to watch the games on tv josh I'm obviously not gonna <laughs> possibly pirate those games in any way because yeah. you're a good citizen
1: life finds a way
0: yeah yeah enjoy match of the day mate <laughs> <laughs>
1: Peacock and a VPN it is uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that covers everything um, So, I mean, we'll be back in a couple of freaking days Because uh, we play Everton in two days from now um, So, off to Goodison Typically we have had a terrible record there And we broke that streak uh, This last game at Goodison Where we beat them finally for the first time in about 8 million years So let's hope we can keep that going uh, Against Lampard's Everton Uh, they ran themselves into the absolute ground grabbing a point off of Manchester city, which was a great draw for them. But uh, hopefully we can exploit some of that tiredness uh, that comes off the back of it. Um, And the premier league table, most of the teams above us didn't pick up many points other than Arsenal. Uh, So the top four race is still on Um, poor Chelsea today, a draw at Nottingham forest point away from home lads. Uh, it's a good result, I think. You always think that, don't you? Point away from home in the Premier League. Potter's got to be happy with that, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, no. Well done them. Uh, they deserve all that all that they're getting.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I,
0: from, I'm looking when this when all the dust settles. Right, I think you have to be targeting finishing above. In an ideal world, your Fulham's, your Brentford's, and your Palaces, and maybe your Villas when they get their their situation together, because they had an impressive win today, Villa. Um, those are the ones, right? Because you would anticipate those other sides figure themselves out and, and they they round out that sort of top seven a little bit more consistently. So w- for me, three points that Goodison, Everton are on the verge in, in my mind of getting rid of Lampard. So hopefully we 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 do that same thing that we sometimes can do, which is kill off a side and we don't actually have to face the new manager bounce. We, maybe we can send, send
2: Lampard off with a... Uh, cheery goodbye from the south coast be a good game yeah um obviously Caicedo back as well is going to be uh, a big plus as well so uh, we'll see that gilmore caicedo double pivot would be nice so uh, i guess we'll see but uh, they come thick and fast now we have to make up for the lost time of the world cup so uh, yeah this, it's going to be it's going to be a very busy period Can we
0: get the double double um liverpool Games right because we have we go to Everton then there's the it's about a week and a half break isn't it and then Liverpool come to us so um, yeah uh, and then we were Leicester Leicester Bournemouth and Palace in the space of not that long an amount of time
1: some fun ones in there but we don't get the break do we It's FA Cup weekend that's why oh you're right yes because it's Borough. So you will have Everton in a couple of days' time, and then Borough on the Saturday the seventh. On the seventh, yeah. On the fourteenth, uh, so you don't even get that, um, and then it's every single Saturday going forward up until what April, and then you start getting into those stupid ones where you're getting into the the Tuesday games, uh, and you've also got to we've also got to, um, Palace games, as you were saying. We've we've got to find spots for those. Uh, so, yeah, well. Wow. All right. Well, the people are going to be sick of hearing from us soon. Yeah, you've got a January transfer window just open in the middle of it all too, so that's wonderful. Uh, so we will, uh, we'll see you in a couple of days uh, prior to the Borough game and uh, post-Everton. So have a good New Year's Eve hangover. Look after yourselves out there uh, and enjoy going back to work in boring, regular shit times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> make it feel better
0: (laughs) what a send off yeah happy new year everyone